on. There's just been a sweet, sweet spirit in this place this, all day long. And um, we just praise the Lord for that. Isn't God good? Amen. So good to see each and every one of you back out tonight. We are going to finish this evening what we started this morning. We're talking about five principles of a powerful prayer life. I think there are at least five that we can look to in the Word of God and see that um, we all can and we all should have a powerful prayer life, each and every believer. Now, let me tell you what I believe. I believe we serve a big God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, I believe this big God is able to do big things. See, I think that he still wants to do the things that only he can do. I don't know how many times I've told you what truly excites me about what happens in our church, in the body of Christ as a whole, is not what we can do, but only what God can do. I'm not excited about what I can do in my ability. I'm not excited about um, how effective I can be in my power because truly none of us can be really effective None of us can do anything that's worth doing in our power. It takes the power of God to change hearts and change lives. Can you say amen to that? How many know if anybody gets saved, it's Jesus that does the saving? If, if anybody gets um, uh, addictions broken, it's Jesus who breaks the addiction. If anybody gets their family healed, it's Jesus who heals the family. And so I, I want to see all of those great things happen in the lives of people but we understand and realize it takes the power of God for that to happen. And I believe God wants to do big things in our lives individually, in my life and in your life. I believe God wants to do big things in our church, collectively speaking, as a body of believers. I think that God is going to continually just show up and show out and blow our minds for what he's doing at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I truly believe that with everything in me. But now, let me, let me tell you this. We saw this morning that um, through the prayers of God's people, God himself was moved. And we saw that all throughout Scripture. Hey, it, we, we looked at Moses, how that uh, through the prayer of Moses, God himself was moved to deliver his people. We saw it in the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, that when he prayed, the hand of God was moved to deliver him from his situation. We saw it in the life of Peter. We saw it in the life of Jesus. We saw it uh, in, uh, on the page of the scripture that when God's people prayed, God was moved. Now, do you understand tonight that God does, did not love Moses any more than he loves you? He, he, he don't respect Moses or Paul or Peter or any of those folks that we read about this morning any more than he respects you. God is no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one of his kids, he'll do for the others. He will hear my prayer. He is still able to answer my prayer. He is still able to answer your prayer. It is absolutely amazing to me that God is moved by the prayer of mere mortals. Human beings in the flesh. The God of the universe actually listens to us and is moved by our prayers. Now folks, if I don't do something for you, I don't know what will. 
Because we have relationship uh, with the God of heaven, we call him Abba Father. The Bible says in Romans 8.15, he's our daddy God. We can come to him boldly. We can come to the throne of grace boldly and ask for what we need. He hears us and has the power to answer our prayers. Wow. I'm going to be just as transparent and honest with you tonight as I know how to be. Prayer absolutely still boggles my mind. It's so simple, yet it is still such a mystery. It's so simple in the, in the way that, that prayer is nothing more than us talking to the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's all prayer is, just us talking uh, to God himself. That, that, that's nothing uh, a mystery about what prayer is. That's all it is. It's us talking to God and it's God talking to us. It's a two-way conversation. If you've got a, a prayer life like you ought to have, can you say amen? But, but I want you to know, listen to me, the mystery in prayer is that God is moved by it. He don't have to, but he is. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said it like this in one of his parables on prayer. He said, if you um, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to those who ask him? So that tells me our big daddy God wants to do big things in our lives. But if we don't ask him, we can't receive. We have not because we ask not, so let's get to asking. Let's continually pray for what God wants and what is available to each and every child of God. I think we miss out on so much because we don't pray or we pray small prayers. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's nothing wrong with uh, praying small prayers, but praise God, we ought to pray some big prayers too. Believing God is able. Amen. The truth is, to God, all of them are small prayers. There's nothing too big for Him. Prayer absolutely blows me away. Now we looked at two of the principles of prayer this morning. We looked at adoration. Adoration is a feeling of deep love and respect. And I told you this morning that if you are going to pray effectively, if you're going to pray a powerful prayer, you must make it all about the God of heaven. That's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9 when he was teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, you pray like this. Pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus speaks of the position and place of God the Father. He says he's in heaven. See, the Bible says that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. The Bible says that God in heaven is above all things. How many know there's nobody above God? There's nobody beside God. He's in a class all by himself. And it's through the position and place that Jesus tells us about when he says, Our Father, which art in heaven, we realize just how high and lifted up God is. He's bringing adoration to him. He's bringing worship to him. He's bringing reverence to him. He's bringing praise to him. Why? Because he's worthy. Folks, I wish I could tell you just how good God is. He's amazing. Can you say amen to that? Oh, listen to me. Uh, the Bible says that he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. That he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. That he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. God is absolutely amazing to me. He deserves 
to be adored. And if we ourselves can get a right view of the God of the Bible, adoration will not be our problem. We see just how great God is, for He is creator. He stood on nothing and created everything. He was in the dark and spoke light. He spoke the stars into the heavens, the grass on the ground. He put the blue in the sky. Can you say amen? That's how big our God is. He's great for He is creator. The Bible says in Psalms 19.1 that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. He's great for He is creator, but we know He is good because of Christ. I don't know that we could ever see goodness in God any more than what He's shown through His Son. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put His Son on a cross to be punished for my sin and for your sin so that we might become the children of God. God deserves adoration. We ought to give Him adoration in our prayers. But also, we must have confession in our prayers as well. Now, how many of you understand tonight, folks, I, I, my purpose is not to sin as a child of God. I want you to know this. I don't want to displease God in anything I do. I want to be obedient to what God says and be pleasing unto Him. How about you? I, I agree with what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He said, I have this desire within me to do what God wants. I, I know what he's speaking of there. Man, when I got saved, there was a desire put within my heart to do what pleases God. So it's not my purpose to sin. I don't want to sin, but guess what? I still have this sinful nature. And as long as in my, I'm in this flesh, I'm going to have a sinful nature. The nature that came from Adam. Now, I'm dying to it daily. And I want you to understand uh, that um, sin does not have power over the child of the God. The enemy does not have power over the child. The only power the enemy or sin has over us is what we allow it to have. Amen. But at the best we can do, while we are still in this flesh, we're going to do things that displease God. We are going to sin. And guess what? Sin hinders your prayers. But I've got good news for you. God forgives sin. And so if there's something in your life, believer, that you know is not pleasing unto God, confess it unto Him, repent of it, and the same God who saved you is the same God who keeps you by His grace day by day. We just sing about how that God's grace is greater than our sin. Confession is what we all need as believers. I encourage you to do this. And I, this is something that, you know, the Lord has made real to me. The psalmist said, search me and try me, O Lord. And if there be any wicked way in me, he wanted to know it. He didn't want anything that was going to hinder his fellowship with his heavenly father. And I'll promise you this, if you'll get serious about that and start praying that prayer yourself, the Holy Spirit of God will start touching things in your life. And when He does, 
Confess unto the Lord. Get in agreement with God that God is right and you are wrong. Repent of your sin. And the same God again who saves you, he keeps you by his grace. God forgives sin. There needs to be some confession in our prayers. 1 John 1, 9 says that if, uh, if any of us sin, um, all we got to do is confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me give you the third one, thanksgiving. There ought to be an attitude of gratitude in our prayer life. Can you say amen to that? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'll look down at verse number 18. The Bible says, In everything give thanks. For this is God's will concern, in Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God for you and for me as believers is that we continually give thanks unto the Lord. In everything. We used to sing an old song that many of you know, and man, I love it. It's called Count Your Blessings. Do you remember that? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Isn't that the truth? Man, we need to do that from time to time. Just think about all the good things God has done for you. And you say, well, brother, those are what's God done. Well, according to Scripture, He's done everything good in your life. Anything that you can think of in your life that's good and perfect, God did it. Let me read to you a verse of scripture. You can turn there with me if you choose to. I encourage you to. James chapter number 1. And verse number 17. Watch what this says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So every good thing you've got, every perfect thing you've got came down from God the Father. He's the one who deserves thanksgiving. Adoration is us realizing who God is and praising Him for it. Um, Thanksgiving is us praising God for what He has done. And we all ought to thank God for what He has done in our lives, those good and perfect gifts. Now, what are those good gifts? I was just thinking about this this evening as I was preparing for this message. Good gifts are just like I experienced this morning. How many of you know I got up this morning in a nice warm bed? How about you? I had a roof over my head when I opened my eyes this morning. Listen, when I went into my kitchen this morning, I opened up my refrigerator and I couldn't shut it for all the stuff that was in the way. My wife got found a sale on milk this week and bought us four gallons of milk. This is packed in there and I couldn't hardly even shut it. He said, brothers, what in the world do you need four gallons of milk for? Well, I tell you, if you had to ask that question, you've never seen my kids eat. That probably won't last us two or three days. We'll have to go back and find some more milk somewhere. I mean, they're just like a bunch of locusts, brothers and sisters. They come in and just clean out everything. <laughs> Bowls of cereal like you wouldn't believe, constantly. Always hungry. But I'm thankful God has given us the food to feed them. <laughs> Man, we had uh, stuff just pouring out of the fridge. From the roof over your head to the food on your table to the clothes on your back. Listen to me. I got up next to a lovely wife who loves me this morning. Amen? Hey, she's healthy, and I'm healthy. We got a happy marriage. We got a happy home. I had three kids that were in my house, and they weren't in a hospital somewhere. That's a good gift. I came to the house of God this morning and spent time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm telling you, that's a good gift. We've been a part of what God has done in His place. 
Today, that's a good gift. I could go on and on and on and on and on of all the good things God has done. When you pray, you ought to thank him for the good things. Amen? Praise him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. There will be an attitude of gratitude in our prayers. That's the good gifts. But then he says perfect gifts. The perfect gift that we have is our relationship to him because of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that through Christ we are made perfect in relationship to God the Father. He is my Father. I am his Son because of Jesus. Wow. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. You say, oh, no, wait, brother. I, um, I worked hard for the house I live in, the car I drive, and the clothes on my back. Well, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, that God gives you the power to produce wealth. So the job you've got, God gave it to you. All good things come from Him. Thank Him for it. I saw a church sign the other day and it said, what if you woke up tomorrow morning and all you had was what you gave thanks for today? really makes you think. We need adoration in our prayer life. We need confession in our prayer life. We need thanksgiving in our prayer life. But let me tell you something else. We need supplication in our prayer life. When you hear the word supplication, you almost hear the meaning. The word supplication means that you are praying that God provides for your needs. Now, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with that? As a matter of fact, Jesus told us to do as much. Matthew chapter 6, let's go back over there and read that just a moment. Matthew 6 and verses 9 through 11, he tells us pretty plain here that we, first of all, let's just read the whole thing. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Watch what he says in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. What's Jesus telling us to do? He's telling us to ask the Lord to supply to us, for us, what we need. Now I'm going to tell you what that does. When we pray prayers of supplication, when we ask God to give us what we need, it shows our dependence upon Him. Now let me, let me say this. As human beings, and especially as men, we are very independent. We talked about that a great deal this morning in our men's group. We don't like to ask for help from anybody. But let me tell you something. All of us, each and every one, we need God every day. We can't do it by ourselves. I cannot be what God has called me to be without Him. Jesus said, for without me, ye can do nothing. I'm praying that God supplies my needs in every area of my life, and you should as well. How many of you know that's an act of faith? It truly is. Because the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God is our Jehovah Jireh. You want to go back and read the story you can in Genesis 22 of how Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain. He was going to sacrifice him there. God stopped him right in the middle of the sacrifice and said, do him no harm. I've seen that you will give everything for me. And then Abraham, the Bible says, turned around and looked and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And right then and there, Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. 
And he still provides for his people today. All of our needs. Philippians 4.19 says it like this. But my God shall, not might, not maybe, not could, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Can anybody testify to that tonight? I'm telling you, folks, God has supernaturally, many times in my life, provided for my need in ways that I couldn't even explain. He does those things. God supplies our needs physically. Do you believe that we serve a God who is able to heal? I do too. I believe God can heal even today. I believe God supplies our needs financially. I'm reminded of something Dr. Fred Luter once said. He said that a lot of times... Uh, he's seen in his home where at the end of the month, the ends don't meet. They just wave at each other as they pass. <laughs> well, we've all been there from time to time. So I pray God provides for me and my family financially. Nothing wrong with that. How about relationally? You know, we ought to pray that God gives us what we need in our relationships. I mean, listen, if I've got problems with me and my wife, I just tell Jesus all about it. I tell, I tell Jesus, I tell uh, him everything that Brandy's done to me. I just let him know. Lord, I need your help. You know, if I've got a problem with a church member, I just talk to Jesus about it. Man, I get along with the Lord and I tell him all about it. I tell on you. You said, brothers, we tell on you too. Good. That's what I want you to do. Hey, listen. In our relationships, I want God to supply what we need. I want to be the husband to my wife that he's called me to be. And I'm asking that he gives me what I need to do that. I want to be the husband or the, the father to my kids that he's called me to be. I want to be the pastor to my church that he's called me to be. I want to be the witness to a lost and dying world that he's called me to be. And I'm asking that he supplies my need in everything. Pray about everything. You can and you should. And it makes all the difference. Financially, physically, in relationships, emotional needs, we can pray about them. Let me give you a verse of scripture that will help you with um, depression, discouragement, down in the dumps. Read, read with me Philippians chapter 4. Everybody turn over there very quickly. This will help you if you'll take it and apply it to your life. He says, be careful for nothing. What he's talking about, he's saying, don't worry about anything. As the children of God, we don't have to spend our lives worried, sick, over what might happen or could happen or is happening. Do you know that? He says, worry about nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What's Paul saying to us? Worry about nothing, pray about everything. 
Give it to the Lord. Quit worrying about it. Folks, I can't tell you how that's blessed my life. I mean, I can remember a time when, when I, right after the Lord called me to preach and, and put me in a church, I would worry myself sick over what was going to happen or might happen or could happen or, is, or was happening in the church. And finally, I, I, I became to the realization um, through uh, another pastor friend, that's not my church. Amen? Hey, it's God's church. It's his work. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, with whom he wants. And so I just gave it to Jesus. And I quit worrying. Now, you may not be a pastor, but whatever you're worrying about, whatever is completely plaguing you in your life, bringing you down in your life, quit worrying about it and start praying about it. Ask the Lord for what you need in every area. We certainly need adoration in our prayers. We certainly need confession. Hey, we need thanksgiving. We need supplication. Let me give you number five and I'm done. But we also need to intercede on behalf of others. Pray for one another. Again, I told you this morning, we started here a long time ago that at nine o'clock every morning, we stop what we're doing and we pray. What do we pray for? We pray for brothers and sisters in Christ right here in our church in this fellowship of believers. I'm going to, do you believe you can feel the prayers of the saints? Well, I tell you what. I, I believe that with everything in me. I, I, I just feel when people are praying for me. And, and, and the, the, the Bible speaks of us interceding for others. I want to read to you the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church at Ephesus, and then I'm done. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul said this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, watch this, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Notice what Paul is praying. Paul is praying for things that really matter. I mean, for things that really make the difference. He's praying that the power of God will be made real in the life of these believers. He's praying that they would be granted the riches of God according to God's glory. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Wow, what a prayer. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you not be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, the world without end. Amen. What an amazing, powerful prayer of intercession for God's people. Paul continually, all throughout his writings, prayed for the people of God. Folks, we should as well. Pray for others. Prayer works. It makes a difference. One of my favorite preachers of all time is a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Many of you know him. You've heard of him. Um, Charles Spurgeon was the pastor of a church in London, England in the 1800s that was growing by the thousands in leaps and bounds. And there's a story told of him. I read about it in his book, Holy Spirit Power, 
And um, th- there was a, a newspaper man that came to his church and he wanted to know how the church was growing like it was. How um, no, it seemed as though God had just blessed the church and people were getting saved by the hundreds and even thousands. And the story goes like this. He called that man down to the basement to a room that was shut off to itself. And he said, if you want to know the secret to the power in this church, this is it. He opened the door, and in that big basement of that church, there were hundreds of people on their face, praying and asking God to move in their midst. And he said, this is why there's power in this church. When God's people choose to pray, I'm telling you, it moves God himself. The power of God is released upon your situation when you pray about it, whatever it might be. Spurgeon knew it took the prayer of the people of God for the power of God to be evident in the church. We must know the same thing. Amen? Let me give you another um, great truth about prayer. He's not a theologian like Spurgeon, but he makes a lot of sense. It's by the man uh, by the name of uh, M.C. Hammer. Anybody remember him? <laughs> M.C. Hammer said it like this. He said, you've got to pray just to make it today. Now, you didn't think you was going to come to church tonight and get a quote from M.C. Hammer, but you did. It's a good one. You do got to pray just to make it today. Parents, you've got to pray just to make it today. Can you say amen? amen. Husbands and fathers, you've got to pray just to make it today. Mamas and wives, you've got to pray just to make it today. We need the power of God. We need to pray. Everybody stand tonight. Everyone, please remember, Wednesday night, We're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, straight through the book of Revelation in our adult class. We want you to come and be a part of that this week. That starts at 645. Now, that's in our adult class, but um, we've got classes for all ages, from babies all the way up. So bring your family. Come be with us Wednesday evening, 645. Now, at 6 o'clock, we're going to be having our supper with the saints. Now, again... That's been a great blessing to our church. We gather together each Wednesday evening at 6. We feast together physically, and then we come up and feast on the Word of God together. And, man, you're talking about something that um, I absolutely love. Probably my favorite service of the week is our Wednesday night Bible study. We want you to come be a part of that this Wednesday evening. Remember that as you go. Do we have a count for what we raised this morning for our mission trip?